0: You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey. Brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and Broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking Tribe. Good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Farm Report Podcast. And man, oh man, we've got a lot to talk about today. Some breaking news, as a matter of fact. Shortly before we went on the air, this uh, story broke. Uh, Breaking prospect news. Oscar Mercado is making his uh, Indians debut, or he will be set to in the uh, coming days here, as he will be called up from AAA Columbus, and uh, we're here to talk all about uh, this Mercado call-up, much anticipated, and of course here to join me to discuss all things prospects and Mercado and everything else, uh, Corey Christen. Corey, how's it going today?
1: The news that everybody has been asking for, yearning for, waiting for, finally crossed our desks today. And whether this is a long-term thing or a short-term thing or whatever it is, it, we can finally relax and just watch him perform. And it's not just Mercado, you know? It's it's players all over the place getting moved, uh, you know, making moves and players getting promoted. And, you know, last week we talked a lot about James Karinczak, which we'll get into him also a little bit today, but quite a bit of movement early on this season, Jake, with regards to Indians' prospects, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's getting to be that time of the season where we're getting to uh, all these first uh, roster moves and promotions and things like that based on, you know, injuries, guys getting released, and spots opening up at higher levels. So that's basically the nature of the season, but uh, focusing on Mercado, I mean, what more can be said about how talented this guy is? I mean, you know, some people are, are skeptical, you know, given that, you know, he's only had a couple years under his belt of being an outfielder and being this successful. But he, got, he is a late bloomer for sure, and he has talent. Uh, 294 average, 396 on base, 496 slugging percentage in 30 games in Columbus. He had four homers, 15 RBIs, 10 doubles, and a triple. He's drawn sixteen walks versus thirty-two strikeouts, um, so an even two-to-one ratio there. Uh, but the biggest thing has probably has been his speed, which has been the case the last couple—excuse me—the last couple years now. So, I mean, you look at his stolen base total this year; he's got fourteen so far in seventeen attempts, and uh, I, I don't think there's uh, any doubt in anybody's mind that. He's ready for the major league. I mean, he's gotten his time in, in the minors. He's in in AAA. Um, he had a good showing in major league camp. Made a good impression there. Um, so I don't see it with the outfield the way it is right now. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be up there. Greg Allen's been sent down. I know they got some a lot of guys crowding that outfield right now, but I'm hoping that Oscar Mercado gets more than a, more than a few infrequent. Uh, appearances in that outfield, because I think he deserves a shot to try and see if he can be an everyday piece for the Indians. Now, uh, just as a little public service announcement, this does not mean Oscar Mercado is going to be the savior of the Indians. So I don't want anybody thinking that I don't want anybody thinking that he's going to come up and this is going to be like Francisco Lindor coming up and just instantly having an impact on the team that that could happen. It's not very likely, uh, But the thing with Mercado is he's talented, he's got speed, he's got the ability to get on base, he plays a good outfield, a good center field. Um, Pretty much, I think somebody on Twitter I saw put him on, mentioning him on a similar level as Greg Allen. I think Mercado has more raw speed than Greg Allen, but I think that that comparison isn't too far off. Uh, Greg Allen's probably more of a seasoned fielder than Mercado is, but... I would say that Mercado is Greg Allen with more raw talent if you wanna uh compare apples to oranges here. So uh that's how that that's how I see this Mercado thing playing out uh, in Cleveland. He might start out making only a few pinch hit defensive replacement appearances and uh pinch run here and there. Utilizes speed on the bases, but I do hope that if there's a chance for him to play more often and more regularly, that Terry Francona gives him that chance.
1: Yeah, savior is a real strong word there, and he, like you said, he's not going to be on the level of Francisco Lindor in terms of, okay, he's up here in Cleveland, he's staying, this is it, forever. This could, this literally could be a temporary thing, we don't know, but if there's any indication based on what we've seen from Mercado in the last few seasons, as you kind of profiled him out there, his on base ability, you talked about Greg Allen a little bit with Allen's potential as a defensive, um, as a defensive outfielder and a center fielder. I think of Mercado as along that level, but I think he has better on base ability than Greg Allen does. And he's improved it this season. He's got almost a 400 on base, which is, Really good through 30 games. I mean, the sample size is okay. Uh, I'm okay with comparing a 30-game split here. But, yeah, the speed is definitely there. You know, 30-plus steals at each of the last uh, three seasons. And he had 50 steals back in 2015 when he was in the Midwest League. He's got ability to steal bases. He's got ability to run throughout center field. He can play corner outfield in a pinch if you need him. He's got the ability... Like you said, like he might start out as a pinch runner. If it is bare minimum that, great. That's him using ability in games. This is a pure leadoff hitter, I see, in the future. Not much power is going to come around, but I think that's okay because of the speed, because of the ability to hit for doubles. He had 26 last year, and he's had 20 in each of the last uh, three seasons as well. And I look at Mercado as the guy that can kind of solidify this Indians outfield, at least for right now. Meaning, I'd be comfortable playing him in center field or in right field. Whichever the Indians field and Terry Francona feels is suitable for that given game. I want to take this on a game-by-game basis because I don't want to just write Leonis Martin out of the lineup for no reason. you got to find a spot for him as well. So whether it's Mercado in right right field, Mercado in center field, Mercado is that temporary fourth outfielder. Let the Indians use him how they may. And I'm curious to see how long this is going to last. If it's going to be a a permanent thing or if it is just temporary. We truly don't know yet. But for right now, Indians fans can kind of just see what happens with him. And I don't want Twitter to freak out if they play him, you know, over the next week or two and he hits 200 and everybody starts screaming from the top of the heavens that this guy's a bust. I don't want any of that. Just let him play let him get used to the big league level. He hasn't made his major league debut yet. Let him get accustomed to being whatever he is, whether that is the starting outfielder or if it is a fourth outfielder. Let it happen for as long as it's going to happen
0: and then kind of see where we can go from there. Right. And that's that's what's going to be interesting to me with this Mercado thing because you know, he's He's a top prospect, but he's not like the Francisco Lindor level prospect. So, what are the Indians' plans for him right now? Because, you know, regardless of his prospect level, if he's a guy who they think and believe is going to be a big part of their uh, major league future moving forward, uh, they probably wouldn't want to just call him up and send him right back down uh, a week or even just a few days later i think that he's up here at least for the next several weeks uh if if they do view him as the future uh outfield long-term solution that uh i think personally that he could be but that's where that that's where it comes down for me is how that how that shakes out and then how the rest of this outfield shakes out i mean there's already you know, there's already some uh, grumblings among fans about uh, Carlos Gonzalez not being uh, all that he's been made out to be uh, and speculation of whether he should he, he should be cut. And if that's the case, should Mercado take his spot? Leonis Martin's been up and down so far this year. I'm not saying that they're ready to cut him out of the lineup yet, but uh, you know, Marca- Mercado's up there, so you're going to have to get him playing time somewhere. How long does Tyler Naquin... I mean, he's had his moments this year, but overall, he's been kind of sluggish as well at the plate overall. And how much upside does he have, and how many more chances did the Indians give him? So it's it, there's a whole dynamic in this outfield of what I'm trying to uh, get a read on with this uh, Mercado move. You know, they already sent down Greg Allen, now they're calling up Oscar Mercado, and I'm trying to figure out what what their plan is now. And if they have a plan, I mean, I'm assuming they do, but you know, we've seen with all these uh, off-season moves, and now the moves heading into this season, uh, what whatever the plan is, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like there's uh, it's as in depth as it has been in the past. Because it seems like they've been playing it more by ear than anything. Uh, so that's where I wonder. Is Mercado a guy they're calling up to see if he can actually uh, produce, or is it a, he's a guy they're calling up because they're running out of options and they just need somebody to see if they can find a spark somewhere?
1: Let's not forget now. It hasn't been ruled out that Tyler Naquin can move onto the injured list. That hasn't been confirmed that he's heading there. We're I'm reading you know just Twitter. Uh, with Mandy Bell, the Indians' beat reporter for MLB.com, and Zach Meisel, who covers them for The Athletic, both are essentially saying it's not completely written in stone that Tyler Nacre was going to head to the injured list. So if that's the case and he does, this move makes a ton of sense. But, you know, whatever the corresponding move would be to get Mercado to Cleveland, you know, whatever, but that's likely what it's going to be. So if this is a move that's only temporary – and he's going to play as long as Naquin's down, that's okay. But I feel like the phrase starting the clock is such a buzzword that's used anymore. And, Jake, we've talked about it on Twitter, previous podcasts, whatever, about how teams like San Diego with Fernando Tatis Jr., Chris Paddock, all the great young talent they have, and the Mets with Pete Alonso, and how they've done it. And they've essentially said, the 25 best guys that are on the 40-man roster, they will start the season with the big league club. I can't fault a team for that. I also can't fault a team like the Indians for saying, yeah, Oscar Mercado may be one of the 25 best guys, but there's a future to think about here. There's absolutely that concern with, with Oscar Mercado, and you got to think of him as the future center fielder. you got to think of, I would say, Daniel Johnson as a future corner. And then should Bradley Zimmer come back healthy, that's another future corner. That's a good, currently young outfield that is defensively sound, that can hit anywhere in the lineup, either three of them realistically. Yeah, there is that element of the future that the Indians have to play into. And look, I know, again, fans were screaming from the top of Mount Olympus that they had to start this guy in Cleveland ASAP, and he had a great spring and all that but the logistically pleasing move was to start him out in triple a and now that there's an injury and now that Tyler Naquin's likely headed to the IL it makes perfect sense to bring him up this is like you know kind of what happens in baseball season when players get hurt the next man up kind of mentality Oscar Mercado quite literally was that is that and now is going to be that
0: right so uh we're gonna Definitely monitor this situation, both on this show and as well as on Smoke Signals. I'm sure Justin and I will uh, revisit this issue as well, hopefully after Mercado makes his debut within the next couple of days. And we'll see. uh, We'll get some more uh, opinions and takes, share those uh, as time goes on here. But uh, some other moves you mentioned, Corey, going down through the organization. Uh, The next biggest story... involving a promotion had to be Zach please who for all intents and purposes has been probably the Indians best starting pitching prospect to uh, so far this season. I mean, I don't see how it could, it could be any other way. I mean, you just look at his numbers. He's been absolutely on point uh, with just about everything so far this year. And so, and then he makes his debut in Columbus after, uh, really pitching well in Akron and just continues to, just continues to dazzle even in A against international league hitters. Uh, I mean, so far this year, he's two and one with a 0.83 ERA and seven starts between the two levels. He's got 43 and a third innings, only allowed four runs on 27 hits and seven walks with 41 strikeouts. I mean, factor that in along with, uh, his Columbus debut, where he made uh, where he made a start and pitched six innings to earn his first win there. Uh, didn't allow a run on four hits. He walked one and struck out seven. I mean, right now, Zach Plezak is, I don't know if he's on the fast track right now, but he's pitching his way into the mix for the uh, starting pitching depth chart. And now that he's in Columbus, he's a lot more in reach in Cleveland than he was at the start of the year. It's amazing how uh, just six weeks can change things because at the start of the year, Zach Pleszak was well on the outside looking in as far as uh, starting pitching depth was concerned. And if he continues to pitch this well, I mean, I don't know how soon he could be a factor for the uh, big league rotation and – I mean, hopefully he doesn't get to that point. They're already pretty decimated with injuries, but uh, Plezak is uh, working his way up uh, pretty steadily right now.
1: Yeah, let me give a brief background here because we've touched on Plezak before, but I don't think we've really delved deeply into what his prospect makeup is really until now where we're seeing him, like you mentioned, his numbers in AA and now with this start he had in Columbus and or in AAA. He's got a very fluid, repeatable windup. It is a three-quarter delivery, and he has a big, strong built frame. 6'3", 200, good frame as a right-handed pitcher. Let's not forget, this is a guy that right before he got drafted had Tommy John surgery back in 2016. So he slid to the 12th round in that year, 2016. And we've seen it. Positively and negatively, where pitchers have Tommy John and they come back either stronger than ever or they just kind of fall by the wayside a bit. Please has a fastball that can kind of that can touch the mid-90s. I would say what 96 on a high end. A good curveball, an even better slider, and a really good changeup that can hit the high eighties somewhere. So a good pitch mix with the guy with a fresh arm, you can call it that. And what he's realistically done throughout his minor league career is dominate. That's the word. Minor league career 14 and 9, 297 ERA in 47 games. Opponents are already 231 off him, but he doesn't walk many batters. A 223 strikeout to 58 walk rate. That's pretty damn good, I would say. And he's not a real wild guy. He limits traffic on bases, 1.09 whip. Jake, he's a strike thrower, pure strike thrower, and he does a great job of mixing his pitches up. And at 24 years old right now, I'm curious to know what the Indians feel about him, especially with Clevenger and Kluber, that's a different story. But then Plutko being hurt, and now he's back, which we'll get into, and he didn't have a couple great outings, and Tristan McKenzie being hurt. I wonder what the Indians are doing with Pleszak here. If they're bumping him up in the pecking order, if they're thinking of moving him to the 40-man, because you look at guys like Chiwe who, who's currently on the 40-man, and he hasn't done well this year, really. And you look at John Carlos Mejia, who's hurt. And you look at Sam Henkes, who hasn't done well this year. Those three guys are all in the 40-man roster. When you have a pitching staff that's two-fifths of it is hurt, you got to kind of scramble a bit to see what you could do to replace him. And when the two top replacements being Plutko and McKenzie are hurt, you got to find other replacements for those replacements. So I think Plezac could be in Columbus as a product of that, but also it's really easy to say, and it's not out of the realm to say that he's in Columbus because of pure dominance throughout his minor league career. Since starting in the organization, he took 2016 off since he started in Mahoning Valley in 2017.
0: I think what's, encouraging with Plesek right now beyond anything else. I mean, he, all the numbers are great, obviously, but what I really like from what I've seen from him so far this year is his ground ball rate is up uh, quite a few ticks so far this year. I mean, he's in Akron so far this year. He was right a shade under 49% ground ball rate, and that one start in Columbus, his ground ball rate was 46 46- and 0. .7%, I mean, that's a, only one start, so take what you can from that. But uh, the fact that it, it's up, that was up from, uh, what, around 40%, maybe a little mm-hmm. more than that overall last year, I think that that uh, speaks a lot to how good his stuff has been so far this year. He's keeping the ball on the ground. He's keeping the ball in the park. He has yet to allow a home run so far this year. He allowed nine all of last year. He doesn't allow a lot of home runs in general. He's only allowed 11 total in 239 combined innings, most of those coming uh, in 2018. And I just look at him and I see a guy right now who's keeping the ball on the ground, he's keeping the ball in the park. As you say, he doesn't walk a lot of batters, only seven walks in 43 and a third innings. Um... And he, for what he has, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to go out there and probably strike out a batter or more per inning, but he's a solid strikeout guy. I mean, he's probably going to be a a 7 or 8 strikeout per 9 inning guy, and... If he can do all that while keeping the ball on the ground and keeping the ball in the park, uh, he is going to be a serviceable Major League starter. And not to mention that he, since Tommy John surgery, he's been a workhorse. I mean, last year, 26 starts, 144 and two-thirds innings between uh, Lynchburg and Akron combined. I mean, you look at that, uh, do the math really quick here. That's uh, that's an average of over five and... Over five and a half innings per start. So this guy is a workhorse. He's going to go out there and give you innings. And he's going to go out there and give you a chance to win more often than not. And the uptick in some of the trends I've seen from him so far this year uh, just adds to that – adds to that profile for him and really makes me excited for what kind of pitcher he could be. He's not going to be an ace, but he's going to be a, a workhorse middle mid to late rotation guy, which every team needs not the flashiest guy, but every team needs a guy like Zach, please Zach.
1: He was a real innings eater. I'm glad you brought that up last year, 144 and two thirds innings and 26 starts. It's pretty good. I'd say considering uh, first full season of uh pro ball, And I'd say considering he spanned two levels last year in Lynchburg and Akron, my favorite overall thing right now, hopefully I'm not jinxing it, is that he hasn't had any setbacks and he's been totally healthy since starting his Meyer League career. I think that's vitally important towards any pitcher that comes back from Tommy John, especially as a prospect. He has had no setbacks. He's been completely healthy. He hasn't really missed time. Um, And look, if this is what we both think he is, In that, I would agree to that. I'd say a middle of the rotation starter, innings eater. Um, I wouldn't consider him an ace either, but could be a low end two, really good three. I would say. So, like I said, if the Indians are seeing him along the lines of their top pitching prospects that you know we've seen throughout the past few years, a la Shane Bieber on a high end but he was really progressed quickly as well. Oh, wait, Plezak in AAA in his second full season. So if they're seeing Plezak in that eye or anything close to that, I'm curious to see if it's going to be this year or next year when he makes his major league debut, because it feels like it's coming sooner than we expected once he was drafted and started off his pro career.
0: And when you look at, uh, I mean, the the innings, I'm just doing some math here. If you uh, project that out over the course of, say, just on an average, a 32-start season in the major leagues, he's that that would have put him at an average of six and two-thirds innings per start. That would have put him right around 185 innings. Not too shabby at all considering that, and I think he could be easily a 200-inning guy overall if, if given the chance if he's healthy and uh, is able to settle into the major so yeah i don't know if i would put him in as a number 2 as a number 2 guy but definitely a number 3 number 4 type of starter uh, at, on the high end and and at the on the low end at least a, a serviceable number 5 starter i I'd, I'd attest to that i wouldn't go 5 i'd say 4 at
1: minimum that but that's just projecting and hey he's got the blood got to mention not it's not for nothing that he's the nephew of Dan Plezak would a really
0: long career in the major leagues. So he's got the good blood for it too. All right. So we'll keep an eye on Zach, please. I can hope he continues to do well. Uh, a guy making a season debut in Akron, uh, Aaron Savale, who, uh, was held back in spring training, I believe due to an injury. And he made a solid, uh, debut for the rubber ducks this season, uh, five innings. He allowed two runs, gave up a Homer, uh, Walked two, didn't strike out a batter. I mean, not the best start, but not uh, terrible either by any stretch. So, uh, especially after missing so much time. So, he's back on the mound in Akron. He did earn a win in that start. And, you know, now I'm wondering, you know, what the plan is with uh, Aaron Savalle. Because he basically just got... Passed up by Zach Pleszak. What is the future hold in store for Savalle? Because I think he still could be a serviceable starter. I mean, you look at his uh, 2017 numbers. He pitched 164 and two-thirds innings and 27 starts. And he was a pretty good workhorse for uh, Lake County and Lynchburg. Uh, last year, took a little bit of a step back in Akron, but... There's a lot of people who think that he has future reliever written all over him, but I think he still has a chance as a starter. So I'm wondering what the season will bring for him and if he's able to show what he did in 2017 and prove that he's still capable of being a starter. And uh, I wonder what the future what the Indians envision for him for the future as far as uh his ma- where where he best fits in in their uh major league plan for the next couple of years well i'll tell you what he
1: sustained a lat injury last year back in late august so i would say over the course of an off season rehab and that kind of thing i understand why he started the season in extended spring in arizona first of all but coming back from that kind of thing can't be easy thankfully for what i read he didn't need surgery for it um but that's issues gonna linger until he really gets back out there facing live competition this is a former third round pick let's not forget they drafted him i think a round before shane Bieber actually Bieber was a fourth rounder if i believe if i remember correctly back in 2016 so they obviously still think high of him enough to continue to develop him to put him back in double a to let him kind of get his feet back underneath him, and then who knows if he can make his way up to Columbus this year. Um, we had him high on our IBI prospect rankings. I believe he was top thirty but, but without having the list in front of me. Does that sound correct? I'm sorry. What was that uh, on the on the IBI top fifty? We had him on around thirty, didn't we? Up in that top thirty.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, pull up that list and see where where he uh, fell in with that. Um... But yeah, <laughs> S- Savali has been a top prospect. I know for uh, for pretty much as, since he was, uh, since he joined the organization, as, after being that third round pick, as you said. And
1: well, yeah. well, while you do that, I, I have Pipeline had him at top twenty last year. They had him at nineteen at one point. So if that speaks to any kind of volume as to what Aaron Savali actually is. And he had a pretty good campaign with the Scrappers in 2016 coming up, 167 ERA and 37 and 2 innings. innings. Uh, 2017 in uh, Lynchburg and Lake County, pretty decent year, 13-game winner, 328 ERA. Like you said, the innings, 164 and two-thirds. And then last year, he kind of had that, that injury towards the end of the year. So, yeah, I would say give him some time to rehab. Let him make a few starts in Akron and... We'll see if he can improve on anything this year. He's certainly got good pedigree. Um, he's got good command on his fastball, he's got good stuff. I, I wanna see what happens with him as a healthy Aaron Savali.
0: Yeah, and uh just to just to bring it full circle here, we have him at uh number twenty as well on our top uh twenty prospect list for this season, so uh so still very feeling r- it was
1: I had a feeling it was pretty high.
0: Yeah, still very highly thought of in our on our prospect list, and uh, good to see him back on the mound, and hopefully he is able to put this injury behind him and uh, show that he's capable of still being that top prospect type that uh, a lot of us here at IBI and also in other publications believe him to be. So uh, going back up to Columbus for a second, uh, we have a guy who made his season debut and. He's on the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy who, you know, is not a, necessarily a prospect anymore. He's made a lot of uh, big league starts now, but uh, finally back after a, what I believe was a forearm injury. Uh, made two starts so far for Columbus. He's allowed six runs and four hits in five and a third innings. He's allowed four walks and a home run, but he's has struck out five. I'm talking about Adam Plutko, who is somebody. Who, a lot of people were thinking, you know, it was going to be the next man up after one of Corey Kluber and uh, Mike Clevenger went down. Of course, he wasn't available at the time, but now he's back in Columbus, working his way back into a rhythm after spending time in extended spring training. And now we're—it's just a matter of time. One would think until you know he's up in Cleveland, since uh, Cody Anderson didn't quite work out as that number five starter for filling in. Uh, in Kluber's spot, I believe, you know that Jeffrey Rodriguez has taken over uh, that one rotation spot. Now one has to think that Adam Plutko, even though the numbers and results haven't been as good so far, uh, it's now his time uh, coming up here pretty soon after he gets stretched out and gets his legs back under him, that he's going to be back up in Cleveland filling in that rotation spot. I mean, it's pretty safe to assume at this point.
1: Yeah, that is. And the
0: Indians... Eh, Need is
1: a word, but they could really use some Adam Plutko right now. They could have used him a couple weeks ago, about a month ago maybe, even so. But we've talked about Adam Plutko as that guy that's just right there on that brink, right there on that edge. And yeah, he was a contender for a fifth spot. He was a contender for that, if you will, sixth man. He's always been there. And you know what? When they call him up, when they need him, he's been very serviceable, I'd say, as that sixth option. So they certainly need his presence, I think, more than anything. It's the ideology that this is a guy that's made starts before, has had success in the majors before, has had spots where he's looked really damn good at the major league level, and he's thrown a no-hitter before in the minors, he almost threw one, I believe it was last May, against the Cubs. He almost threw, and he took it into like the seventh. So he's shown some flashes in the major league level. And as we talked about in the past couple weeks with Kluber and Clevenger going down, you know, having Plutko, and I guess I can extend that Olive Branch to Tristan McKenzie as well, having these two healthy would have been amazing. But the first of the two is back. Plutko's throwing. That's the first step. Second steps, getting back to form, getting back to, you know, putting good numbers up and putting good outings out. And we'll see how, you know, it kind of depends on with not just Corey Kluber, who's provisionally going to be out quite a while, but also Mike Clevenger to see if the Indians feel the need to expedite this process with Adam Plutko or if they want to give him a few more starts to get his feet back underneath him in Columbus. And then we'll see where they go from there.
0: Right. And I don't know the Indians schedule right in front of me. Uh, Off the top of my head, if when they need a fifth starter again, I think they're in that point of the season where it's going to be hard to try to avoid that not having that fifth starter spot uh, moving forward. So, you know, they they could it's easier to do in April when you have a bunch of off days, but it's harder to do now when you get into the meat of the season, May, June, and July, and so on. And yeah, this is where. You really need a fifth starter from here on out. I mean, maybe they could try the, the having an opener or going the bullpen uh, route with uh, one or two of these starts. Although I don't see Terry Francona necessarily doing that. Uh, but the thing with Plutko is, I think right now the best thing is he's healthy, he's throwing, he's pitching uh, on a mound in an affiliated in an affiliated setting, so um, that's the first piece of good news. The numbers aren't great yet, but, you know, it's hard to take anything away from two starts when he got missed over a month into the season So due to injury. So that's pretty much you have to take everything with a grain of salt at this point with Pletko. Hopefully he's able to uh, get back on track. He didn't allow a lot of hits, which is nice. Four hits in five and a third innings. The walks is, are what killed him and then giving up that home run as well. But he didn't allow a, hit, a lot of hits, and he's still striking guys out, so that's good to know. And uh, we'll see how they handle him moving forward. They give him probably one or two more starts before making a decision. So we shall see. But Plutko is back, and it probably is only a matter of time before we see him in Cleveland. Um, Corey, I know you did a radio hit recently uh out in Youngstown and uh, you interviewed uh, a in- top Indians prospect. I just wanted to tease that for a, m- a minute because I think at the end of the show, we're going to go ahead and add this tag that interview onto the end. So why don't you give us a little quick teaser before we uh, get into uh, our wrap up here in the player of the week.
1: Yeah. Tyler Freeman called in. I uh, filled in over at sports radio 1240, the CBS sports radio affiliate in Youngstown on friday so a few days ago and uh freeman called in they were in wisconsin at the time the captains were and uh we had about a i don't know nine minute conversation um one thing i was really intrigued about is he mentioned he was making a more conscious effort to draw walks and he talked about what he did in the offseason to improve that if you look at the stats his batting average is down but his on base is up from last year which in a tearing year last year an amazing year in Mahoning Valley he also moved into the MLB pipeline's top 100 overall prospects in baseball I think it was actually right at number 100 so we talked about that a little bit um we just kind of got in his head about you know what's it like playing full season ball now you're playing for Luke Carlin Jose Fermin back as his double play partner up the middle um and then we did talk about he spent time with the big league camp in spring training and You know, being around Terry Francona, being around Francisco Lindor. And last but not least, the advice that Francisco Lindor gave Tyler Freeman, who, Jake, could be the heir apparent to that position. So check that out. It's on the site. Uh, It was posted, I believe, on Friday. Friday or Saturday. But regardless, uh, there's a link to the article. It's on the site. Um, Like Jake said, we'll put some of the interview at the end audio courtesy of Sports Radio 1240. And uh, that was with me and then Mark Means, who regularly hosts the show. So feel free to listen to that. Stick around at the end of the podcast. Check out the link on the site. It's on my Twitter as well. Um, Tyler is a great, not just a great interview, but he's a great person. Awesome kid to talk to. Very lively personality. Very personable
0: guy. Um, I think you'll enjoy it, listening to that. All right. So, uh, yeah, at the end of this episode, don't don't hit that stop button. Make sure to... Listen to that interview because uh, good stuff there from uh, Corey and uh, Tyler. And it's it uh, sounds like he's a really great guy. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he's doing. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now. 294 average so far this year. Obviously down from his torrid stretch last year. But the 421 on base percentage, he's got 15 walks versus 9 strikeouts. I mean, clearly he's making that effort and then some. It's uh, clear as day, right? when you look compared to last year, uh, eight walks versus 22 strikeouts, uh, despite having that 352 average and 405 on base. So yeah, the batting average is a little bit down, which was kind of expected. He wasn't going to bat 352 every year, but he's still right around that 300 mark. The on-base percentage is way up. The walks are way up. So yeah, he's definitely practicing what he's preaching right now. So, uh, Good, good for him, and we—I can't wait to uh, listen to that interview. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, really quickly, before we get to the player of the week, uh, we had some injury, key injuries throughout the organization. Of course, the first being uh, James Karinchak, who has been off to a, such a dominant stretch. So far this season in Akron and now Columbus. He's on the injured list uh, with a hamstring strain. And you, as an Indians fan, you got to be like, come on. This is couldn't be more uh, ill-timed as far as injuries go. Jack was on a roll. He was on the fast track to Cleveland. And now he's going to miss with a hamstring strain. You're looking at uh, probably uh, not a – we're not talking about seven days here. We're talking about probably a couple weeks. And, which is unfortunate given the stretch he was in and role he was on. So, uh, unfortunate timing there. We also see guys like Yu Chang, Mitch Longo, Tyler Freeze, um, Jose Fermin, Ulysses Cantu, uh, Marcos Gonzalez, uh, all on the uh, seven day IL throughout the uh, organization right now. And. It's unfortunate to see so many guys hurt right now, but of course, you know, this is the nature of the game. Guys get hurt over the course of a season. Uh, Anything you wanted to add on this front, Corey, as far as uh, key guys who are hurt right now, anybody who stands out to you and how it affects their future?
1: I think what stands out to me on the injury front, James Karinschak, that hurts. That physically, I have chest pains, that physically causes more more of those pains because he was so close. He still is close, but he was so close, and he was just on a roll throughout the minor leagues. So we'll see when Chat comes back and how he responds to injury. Marcos Gonzalez on the IL right now. He wasn't having a, a, a storming year in Lake County quite yet, and we were kind of waiting for him to heat up a little further. Regarded as one of the top infield prospects in this organization, and uh, now he's on the IL. Really, Lake County's infield's kind of, Down Right now, Gonzalez, Jose Fermin's been hurt. Ulysses Cantu has been hurt. So uh, Gonzalez on that front. And then not really injury, but how about retirement? We kind of missed this, I guess. Andrew Kalika announced his retirement
0: last week. Yeah, it's not official yet as far as I know. The team hasn't, an organization hasn't made an official announcement that I've seen, but I saw that the story was broken by somebody from MLB Daily Dish. And, uh, yeah, after breaking his hand uh, last month, uh, I guess Kalika, for whatever reason, has decided that now is the time to, to hang it up and kind of surprised because, you know, we talk about our top prospect list for this year. Andrew Kalika... Uh, going through our list right now, I mean, he was ranked pretty pretty high on our list uh, f- as far as uh, top 50 prospects go uh, for 2018. I mean, he was ranked number 30. I mean, and he was ranked even higher before that. He, you know, he had some guys pass him up. Uh, of course, new guys, Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson have come in and, you know, he there's a there's there's a lot of outfielders already in Cleveland, obviously, and you know now it's you you just I, we don't know all the hows and the whys, but uh, uh, Andrew Kalika, even despite being as talented as he is, has decided that now is the time he's not going to pursue uh, pro baseball any further. Um, we wish him all all the best in his. Uh, After baseball life, and I do believe I think he got engaged during the offseason, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, congratulations to him on that. I I know from whence he comes, and being in that stage of life myself. Uh, But, yeah, best of luck to him, and also best of luck to Daniel Salters, who announced his retirement as well from baseball this week. Uh, Actually, today, as we record this, and yeah. Guy has been uh, catching in the organization for the last several years. Uh, didn't really make it much further past Akron, and he's decided to uh, call it quits as well. Uh, wish him all the best, too.
1: Um, Craig Antush, who does a lot of work with the Scrappers, he throws in BPs, their official um, stat stringer. He, If I asked him who his favorite Scrapper is, was, he's worked with that team for a long time, One of his top answers would be Daniel Salters. And when I covered them back in, I believe it was 2015, when he was there, Um, such a great kid, nice guy, always courteous, always asked how I was, always was taking an interest in my career and what was going on with me as well. Awesome to hear that he's kind of at peace with things in baseball and that he's had his you know service time. And good luck to both of them really, in life, and sometimes, if, like in Andrew Kalika's case, if whether it was the hand or he wants to focus on his family, whatever it is, there's a time where sometimes what was the most important thing to you isn't anymore, and there's sometimes where you just gotta take time off for life. I know that as well as anybody. I've lived it. I'm, in a way, still kind of living it, and uh, I wish him nothing but the best. If, if that's the case, and he's trying to kind of figure life out and figure out where he wants to go with his fiancée, and good luck to both of them. Really good guys, really good representations of the organization. I couldn't be happier to hear that they've come at peace with with this kind of decision.
0: Yeah, I do hope that they are at peace with their decisions and they are uh, able to go out on their own terms and have have plans after baseball because we wish them nothing but the best moving forward. So, uh, all right, Corey, so it's time to – Unveil this week's Player of the Week. Uh, what do you say we get to it?
1: I'm down. Go for it.
0: All right, then. So, looking at uh, last week's Player of the Week picks, uh, you and I, uh, I think you did much better than I did. I mean, I had Eric Haas, who was on a roll, but has cooled off a bit. He didn't have a home run in his four games since last week, but he was only two for 16, so that was a buck 25. He had a walk and nine strikeouts. Uh, so kind of falling back into that strikeout hole again after it looked like he was starting to draw some walks, so not a good showing by me. You, on the other hand, Zach Draper, uh, made two appearances, five innings, two hits, no runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts. Got to tell you what, Corey, that that was a pretty strong pick by you, uh, coming in under the radar there and taking Draper because he's definitely uh, picked up where he's left off uh, to start the season and uh, is continuing to pitch very well.
1: Yeah, since transitioning to a reliever's role, nonetheless, <clears throat> excuse me, only one start this year. He's one and o, one and 0 with a .34 ERA. He's allowed one earned run in 26 in the third innings. 26 strikeouts to 10 walks and 1.18 WHIP. He's had a really good year this year after moving into the bullpen full time.
0: Uh, yeah, and it's nice to see him doing so because uh, I know he had uh, some good moments as a starter, too, so to see him transition to the bullpen and pitch well is definitely encouraging to see. So uh, so without further ado, let's reveal who this week's player of the week is, and I couldn't think of anyone more deserving than Bobby Bradley, who has just been tearing it up for AAA Columbus so far this year. I mean, you look at his numbers overall uh, for the Clippers, he's played in 32 games, he's batting three oh six with a 947 OPS. He's got seven homers and 21 RBIs. And he's getting on base, a 368 on base percentage. He's showing power, 579 slugging percentage, obviously. Um, 10 walks versus 44 strikeouts. So the strikeouts are still an issue, but he's hitting the ball well. He's hitting for power. He's getting on base. I mean, he's doing everything that you pretty much could ask him to do. And he's hitting left-handed pitching really well this year too, which is kind of an anomaly as compared to the rest of his career, where he on uh, some of the, most of the other years of his uh, minor league career today he's had struggles against lefties, but really doing well against uh, the South Paws this year. Also very nice to see this past week five games he uh, had 18 at bats, three home runs, nine hits, two doubles, seven strikeouts or seven RBIs. Uh, two walks and five strikeouts, and even 500 batting average, and an OPS of over 1,600. So, I mean, how much uh, better could a guy uh, play right now, and how much more locked in could a guy be? And Bradley seems like he's figuring out the AAA pitching right now. We'll see how that, if if that can continue moving forward. But now you're going to start to question how much longer can hold Bobby Bradley back? I mean, I know that first base uh, is Carlos Santana's right now, but, and then, you know, you got guys like uh, Jake Bauer is mixing in there as well, but Bobby Bradley is uh, doing playing well right now. He's hitting the ball well. He's hitting for power. We know that he's probably the most impactful uh, hitter in the top prospect rankings right now, and God knows the Indians need some help on offense, so I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime soon, but how much longer do you think it goes before Bobby Bradley is considered for a major league call up? Well, in
1: terms of the next, we always look for that. We always look for the next guy that's going to be in whatever level it is, whether it's the next starting first baseman, the Indians, whether it's the next guy to move up into Akron and start his career in double a, whether it's to start in Mahoney Valley and start his professional career. We're always looking for the next Bobby Bradley has been the next first baseman, next big hitting prospect, next power hitting prospect. He's been that since effectively the day he was drafted. And I'm not alarmed by the fact that his power numbers, although they're not drastically down, little bit, they're a little bit down, but that's okay considering he's got a higher on base. He's got a higher batting average. He's starting to make more contact. I think you, at least me, maybe even you too, Jake, has asked for the last two years for him to try to figure that out in some way, to make more contact and to drive the ball and hit more line drives rather than go home run or bust, true three outcome kind of guy. So to see that the average is up, to see that the contact rate's up, to see that all that's up is awesome right now. And yeah, Carlos Santana's the first baseman in the Indians this year, probably next year. We'll see what happens. If Bobby Bradley could get to Cleveland, I don't think it would be this year unless um, an injury or something happened, God forbid. But he's got to be coming up soon. This can't be a career AAA guy just because of depth. If the Indians truly believe in this guy, and I believe they do, they'll find a way to get him to Cleveland. And I'm excited to see what Bobby Bradley could do as a middle-of-the-order threat in the Indians' lineup one day.
0: Absolutely, and for the time being, though, he's our player of the week and really playing well in Columbus. It's great to see, and uh, we shall see if he's at any point this year the Indians deem him ready to come up to the majors. I agree with you. I don't think they will necessarily because, one, it's not a perfect fit. He's got a lot of – I mean, he he has a very limited uh, defensive ability, obviously only first base DH type and which Carlos Santana is already, and then you mix mixing guys like Jake Bowers and Carlos Gonzalez as well. Um, it's uh, already a crowded deck up in Cleveland as far as that's concerned, but uh, he's really making his case. I- I'll say that much for him, so uh, great to see. And uh, Corey, uh, since you went ahead and took Player of the Week uh, pick Uh, winner for this week, even though you weren't uh, the exact right pick, but you definitely smoked me as far as uh, last week's picks go, so I'll let you go ahead and uh, take a first crack at this this week's picks. This is really difficult
1: because a lot of the guys I traditionally pick for this kind of thing are kind of hurt right now. Um, How about, I'm looking at a guy like Raymond Burgos in Lake County, who... For his first season of, I guess, full season pro ball. He made a a start in Mahoney Valley last year. But for all intents and purposes, in his first season of affiliated ball, he's had a really solid year so far. 306 ERA in seven starts. He's thrown 32 to third innings. uh, 34 strikeouts to 11 walks. Yeah, maybe that's up a little bit. But I think he's had a few good outings. And he's had some shutout outings. He's not throwing a lot of innings yet, which is kind of expected since he's only 20. But for what he's done so far this year, I've been impressed. I want to go with Raymond Burgos this week.
0: So funny because I was actually also going to go in that Lake County rotation and look at a guy who bounced back nicely after a couple of rough outings there. Um, Luis Oviedo, who his last outing uh, took the win. He pitched six uh, innings and struck out nine. And I don't think he allowed a run. No, he didn't allow any runs on four hits. He walked one and, like I said, struck out nine. So I think that Oviedo might be getting back on the right track here. And I think that we know, we've seen, when he's on the right track, he's pretty he's pretty untouchable on that mound there. So I think I'm going to go with Luis Oviedo for player of the week for this week. That's a good thought. In his
1: last two starts... 12 innings, one earned run, three walks, 14 strikeouts. Put two solid ones together after he got rocked out in West Michigan. He didn't get out of the first inning. And then I think a couple times before that, he did the same thing, didn't get out of the first inning. So he's had a few really darn good starts and a couple really bad ones. So, yeah, I think you're right. He could be trending upward in those – that string of really good ones. Because when Luis Oviedo is locked in, he's one of the best pitching prospects in this organization. I believe that. I saw him firsthand last year, and I believe in it. So I like that pick. I like that pick as he starts the heat up a bit. His last two outings were good. Here's to think that he can continue that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. So uh, Luis Oviedo for me, and you got Raymond Burgos. So let's hope that this next time through the captain's rotation proves to be a... Uh... Proves to be a good one because uh, that could make for a, a very close-knit uh, competition for this next week. But, uh, all right, so I, I don't want to delay this any further get to this interview. So, uh, Corey, first of all, do you have any uh, final thoughts uh, for this coming week and uh, this past week and any uh, of his prospects? Um. My final thought
1: wasn't tailored towards Indians prospect, but I'll give a little bit of both. Everybody needs to calm the hell down about Yandi Diaz. The Indians traded him for reasons to their own, and just because the Tampa Bay Rays development staff is really good doesn't mean Indians fans need to shred the front office for a move they felt they had to make. Congrats to him on so far good season with Tampa. Figuring out the launch angle, he's on pace or he actually already has, set a career high for home runs. He's hitting for a really fair OPS. Although his batting average, eh, about Yandy Diaz, about what to expect. But I'm really happy for him because it seems like this is a bird that's been waiting to fly. And for whatever reason, the Indians organization tried him at third, tried him in the outfield, sent him up, brought him down, whatever. Now he's getting full-time, consistent playing time with the Rays. And he's doing very well so far. So, personally, I'm happy to see it. Um, on the... Go ahead, Jake, if you had a thought about that.
0: Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the yandy Ds trade. Um, I am a fan of Jake Bowers, and I think he's shown some uh, upside so far this year to uh, be worthy of uh, everyday playing time moving forward. And I think that once he continues to figure things out in the majors, I think he can be a productive player. So... To me, you know, I think Diaz is probably more of a talented player, but I think that – I don't think that the Indians totally lost out on that, and I'm holding Mm -hmm. that hope for Jake Bowers. I'm I'm not at a total loss
1: either. I didn't like the move when it happened myself because I thought he had a potential as a third baseman with Jose Ramirez sliding to second. But I'll tell you what, I like Jake Bowers a lot. That helps quite a bit, and Jake Bowers is a really good play for the future. And by my count, he's four years younger than Yandy Diaz. So I think it's a win-win for both sides. Now my prospect thought, very quickly. If James Karachak comes back and he is the quote-unquote old James Karachak, yeah, I think his ETA was pushed back a little bit because of this injury. But at the same time, it still should be this year. So I'm going to follow that storyline closely as he comes back from the IL with a hamstring injury. I'm curious to see what he does when he comes back. We'll be following that within the next
0: couple weeks. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we didn't even touch on uh, this, uh, but I'll make up my final thought. Uh, Eli Morgan making his uh, double-A debut in Akron. He pitched five and a third innings. He allowed... Three runs, only one earned on three hits. He walked three, but he struck out nine. So uh, by all accounts, Eli Morgan was just as good as he's been uh, so far in Lynchburg in and, and any of his starts. So uh, carrying that success over to Akron, it's going to be exciting to watch him pitch down the stretch here and uh, see how he does in Double A, because this is going to be a big test for him and really show whether or not he is – truly cut out to be a, a starter in the long term because, you know, all the signs, whether it's his physicality, his ten build and 190, he's and he's got a two-pitch mix with a really good changeup, all that points to him being a really good reliever, which he may very well be, but I th- I'm i not ready to give up on him as a starter. I think this guy has shown the last couple of years now that he's got what it takes to be a starter. Now he's just got to do it over a full season because he kind of struggled down the stretch last year after starting the season really strong uh, as well. So I'm very fascinated to see how Eli Morgan does here uh, over the course of the 2019 season now that he's in AA and seeing uh, how he holds up uh, over the the course of that full season and seeing if he can maintain this kind of level of success over that uh, long grind of a season, especially now that he's at a level in a league where he's going to face much more advanced competition than he has before.
1: Yeah, we've seen a lot from him in his minor league career so far, but you mentioned that aspect of conditioning and consistency towards the end of the year. That's kind of the final rung on the ladder for him, I'd say, is being a guy that can get out there and throw consistent six inning outings, even five. Once the calendar hits July and the calendar hits August in a full season, uh, spectrum of baseball. So yeah, if he could do that, especially in Akron, that'll be a really good indicator of what Eli Morgan's track could be towards Cleveland at some point, whether it's next season or a couple of years down the road.
0: All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Morgan and, uh, We'll keep an eye on Karen Shack's situation and, of course, keep you updated. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at C.A.D. Chrisen. You can follow the podcast account at Smoke Signals IBI. Also follow the uh, site account at Official underscore IBI. Get all the breaking news, links, uh, everything you can find there on social media. So great stuff this week, Corey. Uh, we're going to leave you guys now with uh, a clip from... Corey's recent interview with Indians top shortstop prospect Tyler Freeman. Uh, Corey, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we say goodbye? I
1: don't, um, unless you want to read back the official James Karinchak primer in which I wrote and po- uh, was posted last week, uh, talking about you know kind of Karinchak's makeup, talking about what he is as a prospect, what he profiles out to be, what he could be, what he comps to. Uh, You can go check that out. Also, I wanted to add, uh, in regards to the Tyler Freeman interview, audio courtesy of
0: Sports Radio 1240 in Youngstown, WBBW Cumulus Radio. All right, sounds good. Uh, So we'll go ahead and get to that interview right now. Until next time, though, for Corey Christensen and the Farm Report Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan. We say to you, have a good one and enjoy this interview.
2: Now we're ready to talk to Tyler Freeman, Lake County captain, shortstop. Tyler, thanks for holding on. We appreciate it. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We're great. Thank you for uh, for joining us for a couple of minutes. So let's start with what's the transition been like from short season ball here in the Valley with the Scrappers now up to Lake County?
3: i <laughs> say one thing, probably the weather. <laughs> but because uh, short season, we got we got the warm weather. But uh, out here, it's been, <laughs> the start of the season has been really cold there. Coming from me, coming from California, I've never played in cold weather like this. So that's pretty different. But uh, other than that, I mean, everything's the same. It's still a baseball game, still got nine innings, and and that's pretty much the biggest adjustment.
1: You're in Wisconsin now. Has it been colder than that?
3: (laughs) Sure has. Honestly, it was colder uh, here than in Eastlake, any of the games. Yesterday was probably the coldest game I've ever played in my life, so...
1: Hey, Tyler, you're off to a really good start this season. How was your offseason? What kind of program did you run through? I know you had a healthy offseason, which is very good.
3: Yeah, I, coming from the offseason before, I wasn't healthy. had that shoulder surgery. But, um, you know, the biggest thing is season, I uh, worked on, obviously, strength and uh, mobility stuff and working on stuff in the cage, some things I felt like I could have fixed or, um, you know, just tweaking some other stuff and... But the biggest thing is, I would say, adding strength to my game. Um, And so far, I mean, my body's doing super good. Um, compared to, I mean, last season and in uh, short season, there's some games where I felt like, you know, hey, like really sore today or really, really out of it. But uh, today, I, I, this season, I should say, it's, it's been feeling a lot better. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I worked on the offseason.
2: How much has it helped to make this move to Lake County this year, being, having some teammates that were with you in Mahoning Valley, having some teammates you you played with as a double play combination up the middle, continue up the organization with you to Lake County?
3: Yeah, you know, it definitely helps. I mean, c- coming from teammates last year, you know, we had a great team, great group of guys, and having some of them translate coming to Lake County, it, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been really helping this transition be a lot better. Um, you know, when you tell guys you've played with before, you, sometimes you play looser, you have more fun, you know. And uh, But also the, some of the new guys that I've met, they've been nothing but outstanding. I mean, been great teammates, and I couldn't ask for a better group of guys.
1: You had Jose Fermin as your double play partner here in Mahoning Valley. What's that like, having him as a teammate again this year? You two up the middle.
3: Oh, man, it's been awesome. I mean, he's probably one of, one of my best friends I've met throughout baseball. And, um, you know, turning double plays with him, it's almost as – uh, I mean, he he's like my brother. And when I turned double plays with my brother in high school, it was like, it was like that. We had that connection, you know. And me and Fermin say it's the same thing. I mean, we both have that connection.
1: Tyler, you spent some time with the big league camp in Arizona in spring training. Uh, You got some, you know, logged some playing time in with the big league club. What was that like? Not just playing for Terry Francona, but with some of the likes of players that are there in Cleveland right now.
3: Yeah, it was, it was breathtaking, honestly. (laughs) Growing up, that's the one thing I imagined, or I, you know, dreamed of doing was playing, playing a game with, with big leaguers. And, you know, it kind of sealed the deal right then in spring training, but, um, You know, the biggest thing I took away from that was picking people's brains. You know, Francisco Lindor was down. um, He was hurt in spring training, but he would still come to the games, which I thought was amazing. He'd be in the dugout, and I picked his brain as much as I can. And the stuff that he had to say for me was awesome. And, you know, and it's it's crazy because I'm at second base, and you have Leonis Martin in center field. I mean, it's, it's crazy.
1: What kind of advice did Lindor have for you?
3: You know, it's a grind in the minor leagues. I told him it was my first uh, full season, and what the biggest takeaway from that was. And he said it's going to be a toll on your body, and uh, you know, and you're going to have a lot of ups and downs for sure because there's so many games, and you just you got to stay consistent with those ups and downs. You, you can't can't ride the ride the highs and ride the lows. You, you got to stay in that middle line. You know, that was the biggest takeaway from Frankie.
2: On the phone with us is Indians prospect Tyler Freeman, who's currently playing shortstop uh, at the uh, A-ball level for the Lake County Captains, and after being just drafted a couple of years ago, there's the potential for your younger brother to go to the same thing or maybe play at the collegiate level. What have you told him about the whole process?
3: Uh, the, the biggest thing I've told him was just to enjoy the process. Not not many people get to be in the shoes that he's in, that, that we're all in, I, I should say, but um, you know, um. He he's had he had a great senior year of high school, um, you know. And I told him once it gets close to the draft time, just it's exciting. Take it all in, and you know whether it be you choosing the pro ball route or whether you choose the college route, you, you can't go wrong either way. Either way, you're playing baseball, and that's that's the biggest priority for him. So.
1: Tyler from players we've talked through throughout the organization and down to the lower levels, you know, where you're at right now in a ball, there's been nothing but high praise for Luke Carlin. What's that like playing for him as a manager?
3: <laughs> it's been awesome. I mean, Luke, Luke has had that. He's, as a manager, he's had that vibe to keep everything loose and, you know, to have fun. He might come out as that scary coach, you know, like the yelling type coach, but he's far from that. I mean, he, he keeps us very loose. And if we make a mistake, he'll get up. He'll get on us. He'll explain why, and what we could have done better. What could have gone different, you know. But um, other than that, he—I mean—he's one of my favorite coaches I've had. So. Tyler, do
2: you think about, like, you know, we look at it as media members, seeing that you're you're ranked in the top five by MLB Pipeline in the organization, or MLB Pipeline puts you in their top 100 in all the minor leagues in the last couple of days. Do you think about those things? Do you even know about them, or is it all about baseball?
3: I mean, I, I do. I know about them because I get texts from family members, uh, from friends, you know, just congratulating me and stuff, but... I, in my opinion, I don't like to look at that stuff stuff, like, even with stats. I hate looking at stats. I hate looking at everything like with that stuff because I, I just feel like every single day is a new day to get better. And, you know, if you, if, if you keep your mind on that stuff, looking at that stuff, maybe some, sometimes you get complacent. It's like, hey, you know what, like, maybe I'm not going to work as hard today or something like that. I, I totally disagree with that. I feel like I, just, I do my best to zone that stuff out completely. And taking take every day is a day to try to get to the big leagues. you know, you got to work the tail end off just like everyone else is. So.
2: You spent all of last year with Mahoning Valley and as a 19, soon-to-be 20-year-old. What has the organization told you about your path? I mean, you're at Lake County. Is it a personal goal? Do you, do you want to be in Lynchburg by the end of the year? Or are you just thinking about at-bats wherever you're playing?
3: I mean, it's whatever their plan is. Um, I mean, they, they've... They, they've told me here and there that they have a set plan for me, and I trust that. You know, I I feel like whatever if they're gonna keep me here, move me up, I I I don't know, but um, you know, whatever their best plan is, I'm gonna stick with it, and just have fun. I mean, like like I said before, and um, it, it's baseball. I mean, I'm playing baseball here. If I get moved up, I'm playing baseball there. So. I mean, either way, it's, it's their plan, and I'm just going to stick with their plan.
1: Tyler, from a numbers perspective this year, that plan, you know, some of that offseason program you've talked about, I've noticed you've drawn some more walks. Have there been kind of a conscious effort to be more patient at the plate? Are you looking for that kind of thing?
3: You know, I, I did work on that in the offseason. I, I worked out at this facility uh, called Athletic Republic, um, and they had like a, a, like a, I don't know how to explain it, like a, um, a 3D-type pitcher, uh, and they would like mix the counts and stuff and that was the one thing I told them I was like hey I, I want to work on walks this year you know I, I need a I, I'm, I've been swinging out a lot of pitches and stuff I mean I make a lot of contact per se and and it's I mean I guess when I'm in hitters counts I put the ball in play which kind of drew those walks down and you know the biggest thing was you know I'm, I'm going to get into hitters counts but also try to draw those walks and and that machine honestly it helped me help me um Help me get to the walks. uh, I mean, from numbers perspective, the coaches have been telling me that um, you know you have drawn a lot of walks and stuff, which is awesome. And keep doing your thing. So that was—I definitely did work on that in the off season, and so far it's been showing.
2: Well, Tyler, we appreciate a couple minutes with you before BP. Try to stay warm there in Wisconsin, and uh, good luck the rest of the year.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys, for having me. Thanks, Tyler.